Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It's good to see you guys. Uh, I want to tell you real quickly, uh, I want to tell you about a certain day. It's, it is November the 4th, the first Sunday of November. Everybody say November the 4th. So uh, that is a special Sunday because that is what is considered our Give Sunday. We started doing this, I believe, about a year ago. But what we're doing is on Give Sunday, I want you to come prepared to give above your tithes and offering towards what we're going to be doing for the fall and the winter as far as bikes for kids, things we do for the community, submission work. So November the 4th is Give Sunday. Everybody say that. One, two, three. November the 4th. One more time. November the 4th is Give Sunday. So that's five weeks out. So put a little bit of money back every week or whatever and come prepared to give because that's going to kick off for Bikes for Kids and that's also going to be doing some things. And I'm going to be talking about this more. And uh, you'll, if, if you're here for, you know, recently have come and you don't know what this is about, I'm going to explain some of these things next week. Which reminds me, uh, I, I want you to be prepared for this. Today's message is, is, in fact, an hour long. It's actually an hour and five minutes. So I want you to be prepared. <laughs> I'm, I try to keep a straight face. Here's what, I, here's what I'm telling you about that, okay? Would you rather me preach for an hour and 10 minutes, or would you rather me preach two Sundays at 30 to 35 minutes each? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so actually, that's... I'm supposed to conclude, this is home serious today, but this message takes an hour, I timed it, and I'm like, I have to, I can't not do it. But here's what I'm going to do, I'm, I'll make you this deal, I'll only preach for about 30 minutes today, if you'll tell me you would do your best to be here next Sunday, because next Sunday is a very important Sunday for this message. In fact, this whole, this whole message that I'm preaching is about next week, and I want to show you some things about Faith Go Church and generosity, I want to show you some numbers it's going to surprise you what we've done in the last decade. So uh, will you do your best to be here yeah. next week? Okay, I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Travis, this week kicks off archery season for deer. And next weekend, I plan on being in the woods. That's what you're thinking, right? You plan on being in the woods, right? No, do your best to be here. I know you're thinking that. Uh, do your best to be here next week because next week is a very important day. This is home. It's our story. We talk about our mission. It's what we're all about. We've talked about how we're passionate about the church and how we're passionate about connect groups. Don't do life alone. Have you, have you started a connect group? Are you part of a connect group? Somebody talked to me last week and said, Pastor, I want to start a, a group. I'm like, sure, what's it about? And he said, I want to call it game night where we play board games. I want to bring my friends over. I'm like, that sounds like an, that sounds like an awesome connect group. However you feel God is leading you, don't do life alone. We talk about serving, how we are saved to serve, that God has not called you to sit on the sidelines, that he has called you to serve within the context of his church and what that looks like. And last week, we talked about evangelism, the importance of reaching our world one person at a time, have a strategy, don't be random about that. And all these things are covered in growth track. If you haven't been a part of growth track, you'll hear me talk about it because it, it goes through a cycle. It kicks off every first of the month. It starts over. It starts next Sunday. Yes, it starts next Sunday at the first of the month, and it runs in cycles. So make sure that if you haven't been to growth track, why am I talking about this? Because 
not only is it a place, a great place to start, to learn more about Faith Coach Church, about the things that I'm talking about, not only is it that, not only is it a great place to get connected, not only is it a great place to learn about serving, but it's a great investment that you make in your life. It's an incredible investment that you make in your walk with God. So I talk about growth track a lot, but I always, always want you to realize that it's one of the best investments that you can make in your personal walk with God. So sign up online or sign up at Faith Coat Info. Well, let's, let's kick this off with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here today. Speak to us. Deal with us about your church and talk to us about the subject of generosity. And this we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, true love gives. I'm talking about generosity, how Faith Go has a passion for generosity because the scripture talks to us and, and leads us into an area of generosity. You know, we live in a consumer-driven society. If you think about it, marketing experts, they have found ways to capture and to keep our attention, to sway us to desire their products without us even realizing it. Subconsciously, their slogans and their advertisement and their pictures and they, in their commercials, they drive us into the marketplace and get us to, the idea is to get us to purchase their products, get us to believe that they only can provide us with something that will bring us life change or will make us happy. In fact, that is the lure and the prospect of marketing is that buying their product will give us a better life or it will, in fact, make me happy. This consumer-driven mindset has a major impact on all of us in our society today. In fact, it impacts everything in our lives. For decades, we have been subconsciously trained to think like a consumer. Now we approach our relationships with consumerism, with a consumerism mentality. When we look at relationships, we look at it from the standpoint of view as, is this person going to make me happy? Is this relationship going to make me happy? Is this marriage going to bring me happiness? If we're not careful, that's what we will do. And when Somebody does something that, that disappoints us, or if it does not make us happy, we'll end the relationship. We see this trickling into the church, and we've seen it happen for the past two decades that this consumerism mentality is affecting the way people are reacting or people that are acting in church, that, that when people select the church, they're looking at it from a point of view is, do I want to do business here? Or is this church going to be, is this church going to make me happy for my family? And there's nothing wrong with, with stepping back and saying, hey, is this a good fit for me? That's not what I'm talking about it because you certainly don't want to go to church at a place that you hate, right? You don't want to go to church with, with people that you don't like or, you know, a weird place or something. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when people commit and when they get involved in church, sometimes something happens that makes us unhappy. And if we're not careful, instead of committing or instead of believing that God has a place for you, they'll take a step back and say, well, this place makes me unhappy. And they will end the relationship with the church just like they end the relationship with other people. It's a consumerism mentality. Well, I want to tell you something. At Faith Co., we confront consumerism mentality when it comes to the church we really confront that and we don't say when you walk in we're going to confront your consumerism mentality that's not what we're what we do we challenge it in that we are always pushing people to take the next step well first of all you have to realize that if if, if that's the way you think if that's the way we think in church 
we're not good enough. Faith Co. Church isn't good enough to stand up to consumerism mentality because I will do something and I will say something from this stage that will make you unhappy. I guarantee you, give me some time, I'll say something in church that offends you. I say things in church that offend me. You know, go to church, I can't believe I said that. Did I say that? Did I say that? Did I say that? Oh, you said that. Or somebody in the kids' ministry is going to do something that makes you unhappy. We're going to do something in kids' ministry that's going to offend you. We're going to do something in the coffee. Somebody is going to make you coffee, and it's going to be way too weak. You know, somebody's going to give you caffeinated when you ordered the caffeinated. Somebody's going to offend you in the parking lot. Somebody's not going to wave at you. Or some, eventually we're going to get around to offending you in some way. Well, I want to tell you something. We confront that because Faith Co. is a church where we are not consumers, but we are contributors to the mission of his church. Let me say it again. We are not consumers. We are contributors to the mission of the church. We don't go to church just for us. We go to church for the people that are not here. We give because we have a giving father. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he, he gave. God so loved the world that he didn't just say it, but he proved it by giving his best, his one and only son to be sacrificed. That's how much he proved how much did he love? Because true love gives. And in response to such a sacrificial love, we give our lives, we give our honor, we give our time, we give our money towards the mission. That's why we're a generous church. Giving isn't something that we do givers. That's who we are. Amen? It's in our DNA. We are givers by nature. We love to give and we seek opportunities to give. And that's not just something I'm saying because it's a trite phrase. It's something that I see on a weekly basis, and I'm going to show you next week. I'm going to show you in numbers just how generous we are. We love to give because true love gives. This is our home. In our house, we view giving, we, we view giving as an opportunity to show his love and to build his church. However, as far as giving, we don't give randomly. We don't give on impulse, and we don't give because we're pressured into it. Don't, that, I mean, don't get that twisted. We're not just showing up and, and giving randomly and however it works out. And I'm going to show you this. The Apostle Paul, he addresses this in 2 Corinthians 9 and 5. If you want to know the model of the way a New Testament church gave, 2 Corinthians, and what it looks like, and how this is one of the best passages on giving or teaching on giving that you can find in the New Testament. Although there are many, this is, I believe it's the model. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 5, it says, the Apostle Paul was talking about how one church was giving to another church to help them. It's kind of like one church was a missional church helping the church in Jerusalem. This was the church in Corinth. He said, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is, first of all, ready. But I want it to be willing, or I want it to be a willing gift, not one given, or not one given grudgingly. So I want it to be ready, I want it to be willing, and I want you to have a good attitude about giving. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. That's not how we give. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, he gives us as an example, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Tenth verse says this, don't forget this, for God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way, just as he provides for the farmer who sows. He says in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. God's going to do it through you, he says. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when, you take, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. What ministry of giving? Now, to fully understand the ministry of giving, you got to go to Romans 12 and 8. If you're taking notes, you just might write Romans 12 and 8 down because that talks about the spiritual gift of giving. Just like there's a spiritual gift of, of, of prophecy or preaching the word of God. Just like there's a spiritual gift of teaching. There's a spiritual gift of serving. There are other spiritual gifts. Just as there, there are those spiritual gifts, there is a spiritual gift of giving. And I'm not going to go in great depth to explain how this works. I'm just letting you know there's a spiritual gift of giving because I'm going to reference this throughout this message and through next week. It says, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. They're going to give thanks to God because of your generosity. The 13th verse, as a result of your ministry, the gift of giving, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, this gift of giving, too wonderful for words. In this passage, we're going to talk about generous giving. I know, I believe, that everybody here wants to be generous. Does anybody here, you can say, you know what, I'm out on generosity. I prefer greed. No, nobody plans for that. But, Let's talk about what generous or giving generously looks like. First of all, if you're going to be a generous giver, if I'm going to be a generous giver, number one, it has to be made a priority in your life. It has to be made a priority. The, how you make giving generously a priority is through the principle of honor. Honoring God. Honoring God and being obedient to what God has called us to do as far as generosity. Now let's back this verse up. Break it down and bring a few things out. Second Corinthians 95 says, he says, and I'm, I'm just starting halfway through the fifth verse. He says, make sure the gift that you promise is, first of all, ready. Second of all, make sure it's willing and not giving grudgingly. In other words, he's talking about the attitude. Giving generously is a Christian discipline. Giving generously is not, not something you just, most people just don't wake up with it, especially people with the resources. If you have resources, if you're financially able to give, that means that you have money left over from the month. After you pay all your bills, you have a surplus. So if you have a surplus, that means that you have some kind of financial stability in your life and you put money away. You're not going to think, hey, how can I get rid of this surplus? Usually, you think of how can I invest it or, or what can I do with it if, if you're at that level. So here's the deal. 
Giving generously is a spiritual discipline that must be developed. Don't forget that. It's a spiritual discipline that must be developed. Just like you got to develop every other discipline in your life. You, didn't, you weren't born with the discipline to wake up and pray and read the scripture. That had to be set in place. You, you're, you did, you, at some point in your life, you said, no matter what, I'm going to pray every day. No matter what, I'm going to read a chapter a day. I'm going to read a few verses. I'm going to do my Bible study. Every day, you had to decide against your flesh. And after you do that for so long, I, let me tell you something. When I wake up in the morning and I don't spend some time with the Lord, something is missing from my day. I, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel naturally. The same thing happens in the spiritual gift of giving that it must be a spiritual discipline that must be developed. And Paul addresses it with beginning with the attitude of giving. He said, I want it to be willing. I don't want it to feel like a have-to thing. A lot of times that's why we'll, we'll hesitate because it, we're not willing What does that look like? Our attitude determines what we prioritize. If giving is going to be a a priority in your life, you got to check your attitude about giving. Because what you prioritize, you will emphasize. What is prioritized is emphasized in your life. So you got to check your attitude. Well, the Bible talks about the kind of attitude that what we must have if we're going to be generous givers. We choose honor. And here's the deal. I choose to honor God willingly and with a positive, cheerful attitude. I choose. I had to choose years ago. I choose. Otherwise, it it doesn't feel right. I don't like writing the check. So I had to make a choice. No, this is, the Bible says that, that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So I had, when it didn't feel right or when it felt like it was, a little bit, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to I, I had to make a decision that I want to be a cheerful giver, so I'm going to put it in my disciplines. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. So we desire, we choose to honor God willingly and with a positive, cheerful attitude. I want you to think of this in terms of your kids. When you tell your kids to do something, hey, listen. Your room is a wreck. I want you to go to your room, and I want you to clean it. I want you to get it completely cleaned, and I want you to just make sure you, make sure you clean it, okay? Now, there are two different responses with your children, okay? Here might be one response. Mother, Dad, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to clean my room you know what, thank you for reminding me. There's nothing I would rather do than keep this room clean. So thank you very much for that opportunity. I will clean my room and they go in there and clean it. Okay, I want you to think about what you're gonna do for a kid that acts that way. Well, first of all, you're gonna be generous. You're gonna walk in there into that room and you're gonna think, wow, this, this, this is an obedient, this, they got the right attitude. So you might even bless them. You might help them. You might say, you know what? That attitude, you know what? You just earned yourself a dollar. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got dozens of dollars. Okay. Or, you know, you say, you know, hey, you know, we'll do that some other time. You're going to bless a good attitude of a kid. But think about the other response. Fine. Stomp to the room, slam the door, and then they're throwing things all over the room. What are you going to do in that situation? You're going to correct that situation, aren't you? You're going to walk into that room. You're going to say, first of all, you better take it down a notch. 
Don't be slamming my door in my house. And if you keep that up, well, I'm going to take your phone away. You're going to correct that. So attitude matters. I want to tell you something. At Faith Co. Church, when you give, your attitude, when we receive the offering every Sunday morning, your attitude, that's kind of like we don't know your attitude. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. We don't care if you're cheerful about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I hope you are, but we still accept it. We pray over it, and God multiplies it, and ministry has grown. But to God, attitude matters, right? It matters how you give to God. I want to tell you something. The God of the universe owns everything. He owns the stars in the sky, everything around you. The air that you breathe is on a least plan from God. Your resources, the fact that you can go to work in the morning, you owe that to God. He is generous, and if that weren't enough, he gave you his son. Now think about how it makes him feel when you're like, I don't know if I want to give 20 bucks in the offering today. You know what I'm saying? You know what he says? He says, Keep it. And let me tell you something from a pastor's point of view. If you're hesitant or, gru- or begrudgingly about that, you don't, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. You need, you're not ready to give. I'm telling you right now, you need to keep your money. Yeah. And I'm, the finance department does not appreciate me saying this. But I'm serious about that because I, I, I'm talk, what's best for you is what's best for the entire church and vice versa. If, if you're hesitant, grudgingly, I don't know if I want to do this, you need to wait. You need to grow in the discipline of that. Because the Bible says that the love, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Attitude matters when it comes to giving to God. Amen? Now let's look at the sixth verse. The, the sixth verse talks about sowing and reaping. Listen to this. He says, remember this. That a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, every time we hear that verse, think about every time that you heard that verse in church, it was usually at offering time, right? If you give sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you, if you give uh, bountifully, you reap bountifully. And I know that God blesses us, and I'm, I'm going to show you, I'm going to spend two weeks on this. I'm going to show you how that, that is very, very true. But People with the gift of giving that really understand what God is doing through kingdom work. We don't look at this as if the more that I give, the more God is going to give back to me. So what I want to do is I want to make sure that I am a generous giver so God blesses me. I want to tell you something. People with the gift of give look at giving as an investment in the kingdom of God with a return of of investment of, of God multiplying ministry. For example... When somebody with a gift to give gives, they're not thinking, hey, if I give, give, if I give a whole lot to bikes for kids, God's going to bless me. When you become mature in your walk, you think, if I, how many kids' lives is it going to change to give a bicycle to? Yes, God will bless me, but that's a byproduct. That's a byproduct benefit to investment in the kingdom of God. I'm going to give to the church because this year we want to save more souls than we ever have. I'm going to give to the mission trip. How many candy bars should I buy? I'll just take the whole case because we're sending as many kids as we can to camp. That's how a person with a gift of giving thinks. How many churches can we help start? I'm not worried about God blessing me. He's blessed me for three decades. I understand the gift of giving. 
I want to know what my investment is going to do in the kingdom of God, how many lives are going to be changed, how many marriages are going to be saved. I want to know how many kids are going to be impacted by the kids' ministry. If we, if we redo the foyer, if we do the upstage, the, the electronic, I want to know how it's going to impact the church as a whole. And I want to tell you something. In order to think like that, you got to think beyond getting from giving. Amen? And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to free us from that kind of thinking. Because when we really are freed up from that way of thinking, that's when God begins to resource us because he can trust us with that blessing. If you believe that, say amen. So this is our home. This is home. And we prioritize giving and we look at giving as an opportunity to invest in and make an impact on our world in the name of Jesus because true love gives. Number one, a generous giver makes the giving a priority. Number two, if you're going to give generously, if you're going to be a generous giver, it's got to be planned. Planned. Now, this is something that I didn't hear a lot about when I was a kid growing up in church. Planned giving, strategic giving. I always, it was more taught, it was taught more about, you know, give on the fly and you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. Or, that's, that's completely taken out of context. You know, it just, there's, there's all these things that we're taught that, you know, God loves a hilarious giver. <laughs> Woo! You know, you know there, was, there was no principle. I didn't grow up with a principle type of, of giving strategic. And, you know, it makes a difference if you're, if, you're, if you think logistically and you grow up, my degree is in finance, and, you know, I, you step back and you take a look at this, and I'm thinking, I wouldn't run a business the way we give in church. And I don't know if, you know, when I read this about the Apostle Paul, listen to what he says. He says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. That doesn't sound random, does it? That, that, that sounds strategic. He says, you must decide in your heart how to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for, the, for God loves a cheerful person. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I'm getting the translations mixed up. God loves a cheerful giver. Now notice that he says God loves a cheerful giver after he talks about how you give. You decide. You put it aside. You think through. You pray about how much you're going to give. You put it out, if you know it's coming, kind of like what we're doing on November the 4th, I'm telling you five weeks in advance because I want you to be prepared. I don't want you to show up on Sunday and think, oh, you know, the church wants money. And it's the old stereotype. I want us to be prepared. Why? Because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver, listen to this, the most cheerful givers are those who plan to. Let me tell you something. You put me on the spot and ask me for money, I'm not very cheerful. But if you prepare me for it, I'll be happy and cheerful. The most reluctant givers are those who are pressured to give. Are you with me? If you want to put people in a bad attitude, put them on the spot, pressure them, and request money. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. You know how I always feel like a dirty dog if I walk by the, uh, you know, nobody carries change anymore. You walk by the, uh. The Salvation Army and the ring of the bell, if I don't have a few quarters, I feel terrible if I walk by there. Man, I'm just, Christmas rolls around, I put plenty of change in my truck because I don't want to walk by that. 
Nobody wants to feel pressure, nor nobody wants to be unprepared for an opportunity to give. Here's the deal. Pressure robs all the cheerfulness out of giving. The reason that people feel pressure, the reason that people aren't cheerful about giving is because they have been pressured. And for years, the church pressures people into giving. That was never God's plan. And when you do that, it takes the cheerfulness out of it. Are you with me? That's why we teach principle-centered giving. That's why we put things out on calendars, because we want you to be prepared. We're not going to show up at the last minute, get everybody hyped up about, you know, giving and, woo, hallelujah, bring the offering pans. And then you're like, oh, get all excited. Empty your bank account, walk outside. Look at your steering wheel and think, what in the world did I do? Has anybody ever been in service like that? (laughs) What did I just do? I'm not going to make my payments. That was never God's plan. That's never God's plan. And I'm not telling you that God won't speak to you in a moment to have you do something. But I'm talking about on a daily or a monthly, on a routine basis. About 20 years ago, Bass Pro opened up here in Oklahoma City, Bricktown. You guys remember when that place first started or that place first opened up? I'd never been to Bass Pro. I'm like 29 years old, walking through there, looking at that place. I wonder if they let me get in that fish tank. You know what I'm talking about? How did they do that? I wonder if that's a magnifying glass. Are the fish really that big? Walking around there, looking at all the camping stuff. Man, I just get lost in that place. And then I'm, I walk up to the front and make my circle around. I walk up all the way to the front. I'm looking at, like, what is that, like Uncle Buck's candy? You know, looking at all that weird candy in there. That thing that, you know, that cap gun. You guys go to Bass Pro? So I'm checking everything out, looking at everything. You know, and all of a sudden, uh, this, this woman's over here, and she said, hey, would you like to go on an all-expense-paid trip to Branson? Like, me? That, 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 that sounds a little bit inappropriate. And she said, no, 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 you can take any, anybody that you want. She's like, well, hey, would you like to go to Branson, all-expense-paid trip? I don't, I don't know. I that sounds like, that's, I don't, that sounds like something. I mean, what? I guess I like quartets, you know? <laughs> I had to th- you know, like I won the lottery. I don't know what's going on. You guys, if you've been there, you know. What the, but I, I'm like, like, like I won the lottery. Like I was, nobody else was make, getting made this offer. I just happened to be the, the luckiest guy that's going to get an all-expense trade, you know, trip to Branson for the next three days. Well, why, yes. Yes, I'd love an expense-paid trip to, to Branson. I would love that. So we're like, well, come on over here. So it's sign me up and everything and run it. My credit? Okay. So anyway, you know, I signed everything up and went home with my bridge. I was so proud, so excited that I want a, a trip to Branson for three days. And I'm like, oh, by the way, there's a, we're going to show you something while you're there. You know, kind of threw it in there like that. Okay, cool, man. I'm all in. Just let me know what time I need to be there. They're okay. So uh, anyway, we show up, spend the night. Next day, your appointment's, appointment? Yeah, your appointment's at, at, at 9 o'clock. So it's, you guys know what this is, right? So, well, it was my first rodeo. So, you know, 29, 30 years old, Baylor was just about to be born. And, you know, what they don't know is they're wasting all their time on me. You know what I'm saying? So that, 
They're like, okay, here's what we got. We got, the deal was timeshares. I didn't know this. But they're like, hey, we're going to walk you around. So they walk us around to all these timeshares, and I think it's really cool, but, you know, I wasn't prepared for this. So after about three or four hours of this and dragging us around and presentation and everything, they're finally like, okay. All right, Mr. Hurst. What do you think? What do I, what I think about what? what do, you th- do you like the timeshares? Yeah, they're, they're nice, man. Can you see yourself staying in one of these places? Yeah, yeah. Would you like to have them? Yeah, I'd love to have them. I'm in, man. I'm in. So, I mean, like, what do you do? How does this work? You say, well, it does take a little bit of investment and, and this and that. Well, well okay. You know, what, you know I, what, how much you got on you? You know, like, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I'm thinking, what would you say? Something like, I don't know, 500 bucks? Like, well, actually, it's more like $25,000. I'm like, wait, you lost me at (laughs) $25,000? Listen, man, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but I just had to save up $1,500 to buy my truck, okay? I don't know what you, I don't mean to waste anybody's time, but that wasn't good enough, and we went back and forth, and I finally had to say, look, dude, look, uh, it ain't going to happen. I'm happy for everybody that can do this, but, you know, I, I ain't there yet. I ain't there then. And maybe one of these days, and good luck with that. And, I, you know, I'm just kind of a guy. You ain't going to pressure me into anything. And, and, that, and uh, you know, after it's all said and done, I walked away feeling really bad about that situation because I felt like they made an investment in me and, and you know, sent me on this trip and did all this stuff for me, and I got to eat for free, and then I didn't deliver. Well, that's kind of like the idea. That's what they're trying to do. But I didn't know that at the time. Here's the deal. You know, pressure does not work when it comes to the kingdom of God. It might work for us in the car lot. I mean, I've been pressured into things and roped into things, and, hey, it happened. But that's not the way the kingdom of God Planned. Listen, when it comes to giving, when it comes to generous giving, planned strategic giving is the most impactful, life-changing giving. And I'm not saying that God can never work as far as speaking to you, spur of the mind. I'm not saying that can never happen. But the most life-impacting giving, life-changing, make a difference in your world is planned strategic giving. And I believe that that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. Set some aside. We're on our way to pick that up. You guys decide. You pray about it. Let God speak to you. And if it's unwilling, that's not what we, we don't want that gift. If it's unwilling, if you're grudging, you need to grow in that dis- discipline. Just wait if you're not ready. Listen to me. But nothing feels better. Listen to what happened. The needs of the believers. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. When it's not random. When it's not pressure. He says, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Think about people praising God and thanking God for your generosity. Nothing feels better than that. When you you put something aside, it's kind of like, and I'm not here to talk to you about Bikes for Kids, but that's exactly what Bikes for Kids feels like, that, that we planned this for two months. And we do this for two months, and then you're prepared, and, and you know, it wasn't any pressure. And then you show up, and you serve there, and we got people putting bikes together and airing up tires. And you've been there. You got these grandmas that come up with tears in their eyes with their grandchildren and say, you know what? I've been taking care of these kids for months. Their mom is nowhere. Their dad's nowhere. I didn't have the money to do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
You know what? Nothing feels better than answering somebody else's, than, than, than to, answer, to be the answer to somebody's prayer. Nothing feels better than that. That's what the Bible, that's what the scripture means. It is better to give than to receive. But it's planned. It's not random. Nothing feels better than that. Because true love gives. Listen, if you want to make a difference with your giving, plan it. And let God use you. I'm going to stop right there. Let me tell you this. Next Sunday, I'm going to show you what God has done through Faith Code Church. And I'm excited about this. And I know that this is going to spur a little bit of desire for us to go to the next step. But I believe that God has called this church to do certain things in its community and other parts of the world. And God works through the generosity of his people. And maybe today some of us need to grow in that discipline. Maybe some of us need to be challenged in that area. And that's the point of these messages. That God will challenge us and that God will grow us. But we've got to be open to what God wants to say to us. If you believe that, say amen. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here. And thank you, Lord, for a generous church. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I pray, God, that you will bless every person here. That, Lord, the words that have gone forth, I pray that your spirit would cause them to seek down, sink deep down in our hearts that will bring change wherever it is needed in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for the promise. I thank you, Lord, for your word that backs up your promise of what you will do in the lives of your people if we walk in generosity. I thank you for it, Father. Speak to us wherever we are in the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, I know that this has been a different kind of message. We've talked about generosity and we've talked about finances and we've talked about what God wants to do in your life, but I don't want to leave this service without people giving the opportunity to come to Christ. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. He's not Lord and Savior of your life. And although we've talked about generosity, I want you to know that what I'm talking to you about today begins with accepting the Lord and Savior. This is the first step. Recognizing the generosity of our Heavenly Father by giving His Son. Maybe you're here today and you're not right with God for whatever reason. Maybe you never gave your life to Christ or at some point in your life you walked away from God, but you know that God is speaking to you today. So with nobody looking around, if that's you, I'd like to pray with you. In fact, we'll all pray together. I will not ask you to stand. I won't single you out. We don't do that here. I won't embarrass you. We'll just say a prayer. But I, I'd like to know if I'm praying for people. So if you can say that, Travis, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. If you'll pray, I'm going to pray with you. Real quickly, just put your hand up and put it down. See your hand over there? Both your hands, you can put them down. Anybody else? See your hand in the middle right there? See your hand in the back? You can put it down. Anybody else? See your hand right there? You can put it down. One more time, then we'll pray. So I'm not missing anybody. See your hand right there. You can put it down. All right, we're going to pray. I saw your hand right there too. 
All right, we're going to pray. Thank you for letting me know that you're serious. Now we're going to pray. And as we pray, if you lifted your hand, I want you to repeat after us because this is how you give your life to Christ. It's just something that you say when you pray. And let God change your life and your heart and be in fellowship with the Lord. This is how we come home to the Lord. Just repeat after me and we'll all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I am before you today and I give you my life. Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. And I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I confess today that my life is committed to you. That I believe in you, Jesus. That you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.